It's worth knowing what's really going on. This is the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, the Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Welcome to the podcast formerly known as Access Atlanta from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm your host, Shane Harrison. You may have noticed the name on our logo has changed a little bit. That's just a placeholder because we are currently developing a brand new show that will have a new name and a new sound. We will be working on getting that right this summer. In the meantime, we'll be revisiting some of our favorite interviews from our first four years. As we do that, we'll continue our mission to get you ready for the weekend with a roundup of some of the fun, entertaining, and educational things to do in and around Atlanta in the coming days. Let's get started with a couple of those upcoming events. Do you have a song in your heart that you just need to get out? There are plenty of places around Metro Atlanta to belt out tunes to your heart's content, whether you want to perform for a crowd of hundreds or keep it small in a private room. We've put together a list of a handful of places to live out your karaoke dreams around town. You'll find the story in this week's Go Guide in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution on Friday, July 22nd and online at AJC.com. Nine years before the Netflix show Stranger Things brought Kate Bush back into the public limelight, a British theater troupe called Shambush gathered 300 people to dance to the quirky singer's 1978 music video, Wuthering Heights. Three years later, groups in other cities replicated that event. In Atlanta, Adult Swim TV executive Kim Manning used Facebook to organize a comparable event at Candler Park and was pleasantly surprised to see 75 people show up and replicate Bush's mesmerizingly theatrical choreography. Manning's work is now immortalized on YouTube in an edited video with drone footage now seen nearly 200,000 times. With the Bush revival courtesy of Stranger Things, Manning is bringing the most Wuthering Heights Day ever back for Bush's 64th birthday, Saturday, July 30th at 10 a.m. in the same Candler Park location. The event is free and open to all to participate or watch. The only stipulation is to wear something red with a black belt, Bush's outfit in the original video. You'll find our story on this upcoming event in the Living section in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution on Saturday or online at AJC.com. Stay tuned for more events later in the podcast, and after the featured conversation, we'll take a look at what the AJC is bringing you this week, both online and in print. But first, let's revisit a podcast from earlier this year, when we heard from Ackworth's Jeremy Sides. A former Navy man and father of two, an entrepreneur and a metal-detecting hobbyist, Sides started out searching for Civil War relics in the woods and creeks. 
His fondness for finding gold nuggets earned him the name Nug, and he began documenting his exploits on his YouTube channel, Exploring with Nug. His career took a dramatic turn in November when he scanned the creeks around Sparta, Tennessee and found a submerged Pontiac with two teenagers inside. They were Jeremy Bechtel and Aaron Foster, missing since April 3, 2000. Since then, Sides has become part of a growing group of freelance sleuths seeking out mysteries and posting their exploits online. The AJC's Bo Emerson spoke with Sides about his work for our podcast. And keep in mind that the interview we're about to hear is from earlier this year, so any dates and events that may come up are in the past. Welcome, Bo. Hey, Shane. How are you? I'm good. And this guy, he sounds really fascinating. Yeah, he's, I'll tell you, I went with him to uh, one of his um, explorations in uh, Gadsden, Alabama, and uh, it was a, it was a sunny day, but the water temperature was somewhere in the 40s. Mm. And if you, if that's like, um, you know, uh, uh, Titanic uh, quality water, you know, you get in there and uh, if you don't have a dry suit on, uh, you're immediately um, uh, paralyzed. But he did not seem to be concerned about it. Now, he did have the gear, he had the dry suit, but nonetheless, I, I was just shivering watching him get yeah. in that creek. <laughs> I bet. But yeah, it's it's amazing that he has managed to, um, you know, solve some of these cold cases that no one else had ever solved. Yeah, and uh, uh, partly he sort of followed the example of, uh, of another outfit um, that uh, came from Oregon, uh, a group called Adventures with Purpose. And, uh, but all of these folks uh, know each other. There's, there's a variety of, of kind of underwater uh, uh, exploring guys uh, who are uh, on the same page here. And the reason that they're good at this is they, they, do, they do two things. One is they find cold cases that involve a vehicle. And then they find uh, cold cases that involve a vehicle in a town that has a lot of rivers and creeks running through it. And, uh, and what, uh, uh, what Jeremy says is that nine times out of 10, that vehicle is underwater. You don't just lose a car or a truck. Right. Either, either it's been taken apart in a chop shop or, or it's somewhere where people can't see it. And usually that's underwater. Yeah. Well, that's great. I, I'm really excited to, to hear what he has to say. And you, you've written a story about him, which I should tell folks is already online and they can go read that at AJC.com. Um, but uh, is there anything else we need to know about Jeremy before we go into the conversation? While we were talking to him, uh, uh, he was actually in, in uh, Florida at the time, had just found yet another uh, 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 vehicle that resolved yet another cold case. Um, he, could, he could be doing it right now for all we know. Right. Yeah. Well, that's great. Well, you know, keep up with this guy. He, uh, he as we said, he's on YouTube. And uh, so you can follow his exploits there. But uh, meanwhile, we're going to hear from Jeremy Sides himself about about his work and uh, and what he does. And thanks so much, Bo, for bringing us this. Hey, glad to do it. All right. Let's hear from Jeremy Sides. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have Jeremy Sides here with us for the podcast. Jeremy is a, uh, a dad from Ackworth. He is a former uh, automotive engineer and uh, a hobbyist who 
uh, made a, um, had fun looking for Civil War artifacts and gold nuggets and things like that, first in the woods and then the creeks and rivers. And then he found out that his abilities, especially his scuba diving abilities, uh, made it possible for him to do something that was a, had a lot more impact on the people around him. Um, and as a result, he solved uh, a handful of cold cases, some of which uh, have been uh, unresolved for the last 21 years. Uh, Jeremy, it's good to have you here. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me on. So you are in Florida right now, and you were diving on a variety of cars. And as a result, you resolved a case last week uh, uh, that had uh, eluded authorities for about nine months. You found a car in a retention pond. Tell about that. Uh, well, her name was Margaret, and uh, she went missing nine months ago. And the, the circumstances surrounding her disappearance uh, were cloudy. So like we searched for two days and the first day uh, we searched a bunch of bodies of water and she um, couldn't, we didn't find her, but we ended up finding two trucks in some ponds. And uh, when we had the police come out, uh, the police was talking back and forth to the police about this missing person we're looking for. And they pulled up her file and there was information in the file that led us to a different location uh, uh, in town. And uh, within like the first hour of us searching for the second day, uh, we, we found her in a small pond in a, a newly developed neighborhood. And the water was just deep enough to hide her car. It was only 18 inches under the water, but it see, was so is, murky, you couldn't see anything. This is the, the, the thing that I, I find the most interesting. You've, uh, you've resolved case, cases that, that uh, the authorities have had uh, a long time to try to uh, try to de uh, determine the answer to. Um, and part of it is uh, you know where to look, but the other part of it is you have uh, this technology that a lot of police departments and sheriff's departments don't have. And can you describe that a little bit? Uh, the sonar, essentially the, the equipment that we're using is just is really high tech uh, fishing sonar. Uh, these fishermen will put them on their boats and they'll search for structures for uh, fish habitats, you know, like, cause big fish like to hang out next to like logs and rocks. And uh, it also doubles as a perfect uh, piece of equipment to locate vehicles underwater. So that's what we're using. And um, there are search and recovery teams that use the same kind of technology, but uh, it's it, depending on the department, the police department and the resources, the community, Funding is, is mainly it's it's money and funding, and uh, some of these police departments just don't have the funding to equip themselves with this kind of technology. And if they do have it, um, they're not using it near as much as we are. So they might see something that they think is a log or a rock, and we'll see it and be like, "That's a thousand percent a car," you know. Um, and also, police officers nowadays they got a lot on their plate. They're not just searching for vehicles and searching for missing persons you know like they're doing a lot of other things this is all we do so for like day and night we're staring at sonar and scuba diving so like this is a honed skill that we've perfected and uh the, as a result uh you are better at using the sonar and also you're better at scoping out where where these people might be now why is it that we're going to find these cars underwater all the time car is something that's really hard to hide, uh, especially nowadays with technology. There's cameras everywhere. If uh, a person, 
let's just say it was foul play um, and somebody gets robbed or high, kidnapped or something, um, you can, it's, it's, it's a heartless way to say it, but you can hide a body or dispose of a body a lot easier than just a, than a vehicle. Just, and it's sadly, it happens every day. But when a car goes missing, it's either buried, it's underwater, or they had an inside connection to one of these scrap yards. But other than that, you can't really hide a car for too long unless they're, you know, underwater. So that's, that's a big indication in these cases to start looking in the rivers and lakes. So when a person goes missing and they are associated with a vehicle, um, then, as you've said, nine times out of 10, that vehicle's underwater if nobody's found it for the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially if they're in a town like, uh, for example, Gadsden, Alabama, that has a lot of creeks and rivers and lakes all around it. Yes, definitely. I mean, Gadsden has a huge river that runs right through town. Um, a lot of the creeks that feed into that river are deep enough. He was with us one day when we uh, found that pickup truck in, right. in a creek, and it was deep enough to hide a full-size pickup truck, but you would have never thought that a truck would be out there. And now, <laughs> and now uh, uh, last uh, uh, November, uh, you uh, uh, solved pretty much by yourself one of the cases that had been uh, bedeviling uh, the uh, people in, in Tennessee for a long time. And you found two teenagers that have been missing for uh, 21 years, or at least you found the vehicle that they were in. Um, t- that was, uh, tell about that. That is, man, it's, um, it's a crazy story. I, I came across their missing person report online and uh, all the indicators were, were there saying, you know, like they're, they're, they're in a body of water somewhere. That's what I was thinking at least. Now, when I dove deeper into this story, like there were lots of rumors that um, they were murdered or they were, you know, kidnapped. They were dumped down a well. Um, and then other stories that they just decided to pack their bags and go start a better life in Florida, for instance. That was one of the rumors. And uh, I didn't hear about all these. But what I did hear was, you know, they left their friend's house in the middle of the night and they vanished and the car vanished, too. And uh, I pretty much I figured out where the friends lived and the closest bodies of water around where the friends lived. And I started searching collectively. I searched for two full days and I ended up finding them. The first day I spent all day in a lake outside of town and I ended up finding a car in that lake, but it wasn't theirs. And then the second day I started hopping bodies of water in lakes and other rivers. And then the last place I searched was right in town. And there is a river that runs right through that town. And I mean, the, where I found them was it, it would make total sense. It was around a, a, a gradual curve on the road and the road runs right next to the river. And 20 years ago, there was, there was no guardrail. So at any point, a car could crash and go into the river. And that was my mindset when I started searching and I was right. They were, they were sitting in 10 feet of water um, off the road in town. Um, and this town is so small everybody knew everybody in this community. Like, you know, those towns where, right. you know, like everybody just knows people. There's like a hundred, 200 people in this town. And they were just traumatized to find out that their friends were sitting in the river for 20 years that they've drove by, they, they've fished right over the car. You know, the father of the girl, the teenage daughter, the girl, she, uh, he said in an interview that he would go fishing in that river 
you know, all the time. And it's just crazy to think that he was literally standing right next to his kid and never knew it. Now, what did it feel like for you uh, when you're under the water and you look at the, uh, the tag on this car and you, you know, you see the car as a Pontiac and you read the tag and you re- you realize who's in there. It is a numbing feeling. It's, it's, it's something I, I've been asked that question a million times and I still can't even answer it. Uh, it's, it's a whirlwind of emotions. Cause like when I first swam up to the car underwater, I could immediately tell it was the, the, the kind of car I'm looking for. And then, you know, I, I just, I just started swimming around it. And I noticed all the windows are up. And then I swam to the back and I confirmed that it's the tag number. And I was just, I was excited and at the same time, like nervous and then sad and anxious and then joyful, but bittersweet because I know that now this town is about to find out that their friend, their loved ones did pass away, you know, and a lot of people are still having hope that maybe someday they'll show up again. You know, and they made a better life for themselves. But tragically, it ended up being uh, a car accident, just a simple car accident, and nobody saw it. So that's where they sat for 20 years. On the other hand, uh, the, the parents and the friends and everybody else uh, finally had a, a resolution to something that had been bugging them. I mean, probably torturing them for 21 years. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, like the father did interviews and, uh, you know, I mean, it just... I just can only, I couldn't even imagine, you know, I have two kids with myself, my own and to lose one of them would be devastating to, for them to go missing. And I never get an answer on where they went. It, it would drive me nuts. Like I would, I would consume me, you know? And, uh, sadly, Jeremy, one of the teenagers, his mom died a year before we found him. So she went to her grave, not knowing where her son went. So I couldn't, it must be miserable. Like it just could be the worst feeling ever to not know where your kids went. So at least they now know what happened. So they can, they can start the healing process after 20 years, if that's even possible. This is Access Atlanta. I'm your host, Shane Harrison. We'll continue with more of our conversation with Jeremy Sides, but first here's more of our list of things to do and see. Another permanent museum is coming to Atlanta, but this one is not focused on art, history, or a big-name corporate brand. It's called Museum of Illusions and is set to open later this year at Atlantic Station in Midtown. The museum will feature optical and spatial illusions specifically created to mess with the mind. It's part science, part Instagrammable entertainment. Some of the set pieces have popped up in other science museums over the years, such as the Ames Room, in which the room is distorted in such a way that at a particular angle, one person looks much larger than the other. Find out more about this new attraction on the Georgia Entertainment Scene blog at AJC.com, and be sure to check back for the official opening day. The artist, writer, and children's book illustrator Oliver Jeffers sees the world from unusual perspectives. He empathizes with crayons. He understands the temptation of a tasty book. In Ireland, he recently created a sculptural model of the solar system that was nine kilometers long. That was the smallest he could make the installation, at a scale of 415 million to one, such that the smallest heavenly bodies would still be visible. The idea was to give visitors a sense of the size of things. This is an overarching goal of Jeffers, who tries to introduce his audience to vantage points that they may have never considered. 
Experience Jeffers point of view in a new exhibit at the High Museum of Art, Oliver Jeffers, 15 Years of Picturing Books, on display through August 7, and in a show at the Alliance Theater, which will present an original musical based on Jeffers' book, The Incredible Book-Eating Boy. Read Bo Emerson's interview with Jeffers online at AJC.com. Now it's time for this week's adoptable pet from the folks at Lifeline, who run the Fulton and DeKalb shelters along with the Lifeline Community Animal Center. Smiley lives up to his name because that's what he does. This big friendly guy has a megawatt smile that's hard to resist. Smiley knows sit and loves to play with toys. He's friendly and playful, what's not to love? He can be found at the DeKalb Animal Shelter at 3280 Chambly Dunwoody Road in Chambly. You'll find a photo of Smiley and a direct link for more info on the story page for this podcast on AJC.com. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, an air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is Access Atlanta from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. The facts matter now more than ever. Get unlimited digital access to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution so you know what's really going on, and you're helping us fulfill our mission to bring you the news that's important to you. Subscribe today at subscribe.ajc.com podcast and your first month of unlimited digital access is just 99 cents. That's subscribe.ajc.com podcast to join the community for just 99 cents. Let's head back to our interview with Jeremy Sides. Now, at the same time, uh, you uh, document your, uh, your adventures uh, on your uh, YouTube channel and also uh, on Facebook um adventures with nug and nug is you you used to uh you got the nickname nug because you were uh you like to find gold nuggets and creeks and rivers and things like that and then you moved on to more important things to look for um you have a lot of followers uh uh, uh on youtube and uh the uh, it made it possible uh the uh just the revenue from the from those folks to be able to quit your your job and to just focus on this all the time so uh, you're, uh, you, you've ended up with a, with a completely different career than you started out with. How does that feel? It's, it's awesome. I mean, people go through their entire life, you know, just working nine to five and being miserable, not really knowing, like they have a dream, but they never get to fulfill it. Maybe until retirement. I don't really know, but, um, to be able to, to walk away from just the normal, nine to five and actually do something that I have so much passion for and excitement and enjoyment. And I'm, I'm literally changed. Like I'm doing things. That's, that's amazing. It's, it's more than myself. It's, and, uh, and I get to make a living doing it. Um, it's amazing. It's an amazing feeling. Not many people actually get to do this. So I'm honored that I somehow got to um, turn this into a, a career. Now, there's often there are, there are rewards offered for uh, you know information leading to the recovery of these folks and and such. 
Um, what, what do you do uh, about those things? I personally haven't been involved in any rewards yet, but it's not an issue. Like if there is a reward, um, well, I mean, obviously um, I would take it, but depending on who is involved and uh, you know, what went into it, um, the reward money would be split up amongst the team. And essentially all the money would either go to the family of the victims um, or it would go right back into the business for, you know, gas bills, uh, better equipment to continue doing this. But now, um, sometimes people might, uh, <coughs> might uh, suggest to you that, well, why don't you take all the money that you make off of YouTube and give that to the families? What's your, what's your response to that? It's, it's silly because I understand what they're saying, but at the same time, y this, this is my job. Like anybody, money makes the world go round. Uh, and that's just the sad truth. And if I can't do this, I can't drive my truck. I can't drive the van um, without money. And this, so this, is, this is the money I make. Now, if I was making millions of dollars doing this, then yeah, I would have no problem helping the family out. But right now, this is, this is just a normal job making normal money you know so and that's what pays for this so like they, i can't just give my money away then i would be homeless <laughs> it's a pretty unusual normal job though wouldn't you say it's very it's very unusual it's like very few people really get to fulfill this kind of um lifestyle and but it's 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 hard work and it took a long time to get where i'm at but it paid off and now i actually can consider myself a, a full-time documentarist and um, you know scuba diver and, and now you know trying to find missing persons now well, what's next for you you y'all are going to be in florida for a little while longer than where you're going to go oh, oh i got all kinds of stuff planned like thinking about it, at least we got one more day tomorrow still searching for um, a missing person here in daytona and uh then the following day we we there's word that there's a yellow 69 Corvette in the river here in Daytona. So we're going to go try and find it and pull it out just for, you know, for the fun of it. And then uh, that's going to wrap up the Florida trip. We've been, uh, we've been in Florida for about two weeks. And so we'll start making our way back home to Atlanta. Might stop at a couple places along the way just to, just to ha have fun. And then after that, you know, like back to the drawing board, look for more cases there. Uh, there might be a missing person case linked to that car that I found outside of Sparta the first day. So we're going to go back to that car and see if we can, um, you know, identify it a hundred percent, see if we can figure out what's, what's the story of that one. And that's it. And we'll just keep, keep finding, finding missing persons and uh, investigate and see if we can find them, bring them home. Well, I'm delighted to get you on the phone, and uh, I appreciate you taking time with me, Jeremy, and uh, uh, be careful out there. I understand that water was about 40 degrees when you and I were there outside of Gadsden. That seems kind of chilly to me. I don't care if you have a dry suit on or not. I still think my head would start to hurt. It's very cold. Any bare skin, you'll feel it. Uh, but yeah, the dry suit helps. The, the equipment we use helps, and because of the viewers and donations, and it, that, that is essentially what gets us the equipment we need to not freeze to death. So that's just another, you know, it, whoever's listening to this, much appreciation because just watching the video supports keeping me safe and dry and continuing to do what I'm doing. Well, stay safe out there, Jeremy. Thank you for taking time with us. And we'll talk no to problem. you again. 
All right, man. I appreciate it. The AJC brings you the best of what's happening in and around Atlanta on AJC.com, along with deeper looks at trends in arts and entertainment and compelling looks at lost bits of history. Here's a taste of what you'll find there. In March of 2018, Tehran and Malika Jackson of Woodstock booked a trip to the Bahamas to celebrate their 15th wedding anniversary. A year earlier, Malika had taken a Caribbean vacation with her sorority sisters and swam with dolphins. She had dreamed of doing something like that with her husband. They booked a stay at the Sandals Emerald Bay Resort on the shores of Exuma, a district consisting of more than 365 islands. The months leading up to their July 1st anniversary were hectic. Malika had just gotten a promotion at her job as a senior manager for diversity and inclusion for a real estate firm. The new job had her traveling constantly, and when she wasn't traveling, Tehran, an engineer, was. They needed a vacation, but a horrible explosion on a boat excursion would turn that vacation into heartbreak, and Tehran would return home alone. Read the story of how he learned to harness the power of resilience after a life-altering tragedy in Sunday's Living and Arts section on July 24, or read it online at AJC.com and in the e-paper. When you stand seven feet tall and weigh 300 pounds, being inconspicuous is not an option, nor is being oblivious to other people's reaction to the way you're constructed, whether telegraphed through a furtive glance or saucer-eyed stare. My view from seven feet, the title of former NBA star Joe Barry Carroll's solo show at the Hammonds House Museum, is a playful wink that he's in on the joke. Primarily, though, he hopes the takeaway for visitors will be that his physicality does not preclude his humanity. A natural-born observer, thinker, and dreamer, Carroll was introduced to the art of storytelling by his father, Frederick Douglass Williams, in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. Now he's continuing the tradition by picking up a paintbrush and telling stories in honey-hued abstract and figurative paintings that invite the viewer to see the world from his point of view. Read the Q&A with Carroll from our partners at Arts ATL and learn more about the exhibition online at AJC.com. If you're listening to this podcast on AJC.com, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast, so you'll never miss an episode. And you'll be among the first to hear our new format when we relaunch in late summer. For more things to do in and around Atlanta, go to AJC.com. The podcast is edited by Tyson Horn. The theme music is by Bo Emerson and Billy Guin. And I'm your host and the AJC's arts and entertainment editor, Shane Harrison. Join us next week for more great interviews and events. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. 
Atlanta's thriving art scene, and the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.